So today we're going to continue in our conversation about how to walk and live in victory in our spiritual life. And here's something, as we're talking about praying, I find often that our prayers before God, like last week we talked about prayers of blessing and protection. We can certainly pray, God, that you would bless me, that you would protect me. Uh, We bring God our requests, and that's biblical, right? Bring all your requests before him. We give him thanks. We, We thank him for who he is. We acknowledge God in all these different ways. And I find that oftentimes that when I'm praying, what's happening is not only am I giving God my request and and thanking him, but God is also reminding me who he is. And I think that's a powerful thing about prayer, that prayer can remind us of who God really, truly is, the nature of God, his character, the way that he views us. And so this morning, I want to talk through a wonderful prayer in Psalm 139. And we're going to talk through Psalm 139. And I I believe that as we talk through this, I want to just bring before you some reminders of who God is, that as we are praying, may God remind us of himself. So listen, I, I don't pray and remind God who he is. Like God doesn't need me to remind him who he is. God knows who he is. So oftentimes when I'm thanking God for who he is, in other words, when I'm thanking him for being kind, when I'm thanking him for being gracious, when I'm thanking him for being all powerful and all knowing, when I'm thanking God for the way that he loves us, right? That, I'm not reminding God because he forgot. Oftentimes I find that as I'm praying those things, as I'm praying those characteristics of who God is, his nature, that I find encouragement in that. That I'm also walking away from my prayer time reminded, God, yes, you, you are powerful, God. Yes, you are loving. God, yes, you, you do know me and you do care for me. And there's something about those private moments of prayer that when we remind us who God is, that there's freedom in that. And if I can use the word, there's victory in that. Because now I know that the all-powerful, all-knowing, loving God actually cares for me and is guiding me and loves me. And so we're going to jump right into it. I'm going to share six principles of who God is, his nature, out of 139. We're just going to read through it, and I want to break it down for us for a few minutes. And so here we go. The point number one is the first reminder of who God is, is a reminder that God knows us, that God knows you. God, you know me. You know me. Psalm 139, verse 1 to 6. Let's start there. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Here's a few things about the reality that God knows you. I like to start here because it's a reminder that I remind myself often is that God knows me and he loves me anyways. See, I think that one of the realities of God is that he knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows the words on our lips before we even know what they are. He knows what's going on in our heart. He knows what's going on in our mind. He knows everything about us. He knows our darkest moments. He knows the thought life we have. He knows the things that we've done. And yet he chooses to love us anyways. Now, there's a lot of humility in that, quite honestly. There's a lot of humility there because I know what my thought life at times is like. There's a lot of humility in that because I know what I feel often. I know what I think about even God at times. And to know that there is no place that I can go that God doesn't see me and he doesn't know me, yet 
He loves us anyways. In fact, this is the whole purpose of Jesus coming to redeem us. Like God's book, his Bible, is a story of redemption because we're so lost without him. And God recognized that we are so lost without him that he had to have a way to redeem us. Why? Because he knows us and he loves us. I heard a comment years and years ago that I really enjoy, and it just simply says this. It says, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. And I think at times when we think about who we are and we think about before God, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to come before God broken. It's okay to come before God with our needs and our requests. It's okay to come before God with a lifetime of sin. It's just not okay to stay that way. And that's what I love about our relationship with God. The reminder of this prayer is that, God, you know me. So so guess what? There's nothing that I should hide. In other words, we can be honest with God. I encourage you, just be honest with God. Be real with him in your prayer life. As we talked about last week and the week before, God is not impressed with our lengthy prayers. He's not impressed with our words. He's not impressed with just lofty speech. God, I think at times, just really wants the raw me, just the real me. My heart bare before him, my, my honesty before him, to be honest when I'm struggling, to be honest when I'm afraid, to be honest when I'm angry, to be honest when I'm disappointed, to be honest when I'm questioning him. And I think that because we have this relationship with God who loves us, that we're, it's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. So it's okay to go into our prayer time and seek him and have all these things that we have. But we have to leave their chains impacted. In Psalm 69, verse 5, it says, Oh God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. In other words, God already knows. You can't keep anything from him. You can't hide from him. You can't just keep things secret from him. You know, you might live a life where everybody thinks you're fine and everybody thinks you're okay and everything on the outside looks good and everything on the outside looks like it's all together but on the inside you are broken, you are hurting, you are lost, you are afraid, you're angry. God already knows that. He's just waiting for us to come and give that to him. And here's the thing, God doesn't just know us. He cares for you. See, that's the beautiful thing, right? He's not just all-knowing. So it's not just that God knows everything about you. It's that he knows everything about you, and he loves you anyways, and he cares for you. He really wants to care for you. And if anybody on this planet, if anybody of all time knows you and can care for you the best, is it not the God who created you? The second point I want to bring this morning is that, God, you are with me. That as we're praying, often we are reminded that God is with us. Let's continue to read in Psalm 139, verse 7 to 12. It says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand will hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall overcome me, And the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not too dark for you. The night is bright as day, for the darkness is as light with you. So uh, that's a really well-known verse. Where can I go? Where can I escape your presence? Can I go up high, down low, in the seas, to the ends of the ocean, in darkness? And what the psalmist is reminding us, and I'm sure reminding himself, because the psalmist had some pretty dark moments of his life, some valleys in his life, As a psalmist is writing this, it's a reminder to us that, that God, you're with me everywhere I go. In other words, I I find great assurance in that, quite honestly. 
I find great assurance that, God, you're, you're with me everywhere I go. When I walk into a difficult meeting, God, you're there. When I have to make difficult decisions, God, you're there. When I'm out and about, God, you're with me. When I'm struggling in life, God, you're there. At my highest levels, when I'm joyful and excited, God, you're there. And God, you're also there. At my lowest moments in life, God, you are there. There is no place that I can go that can escape you. I like the idea that he is behind us that he is with us next to us, and that he's in front of us. And that's a, a beautiful picture of God's presence, of his timeless presence, that he is behind us, he is next to us, and he is in front of us. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, it says, It is the Lord who goes before you. Not only does he go before you, it says that he will be with you. He will not leave you, he will not forsake you, so do not fear and do not be dismayed. And let me just bring that encouragement to you because here we are in 2022 and already we carried in fear, we carried in worry, we carried in anxiousness, you may have carried in doubts, you may have carried in all this craziness of the world from last year straight into this year. And let me just encourage you that the God of the universe is with you. We don't have to be afraid. He says right there, he is going to go before us. He is with us. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. So don't be afraid. In fact, Jesus reminds us of that in the New Testament. He says, listen, you, I'm with you to the ends of the earth. He has never left us. God is with us. He's with you right now. And you might not feel that at times. You might look around this world. You might look in your own situation. And maybe you're just looking around wondering, well, God, where are you? And see, as we pray, what I love about these kind of prayers is that it just reminds us that you are with us. In fact, I want to encourage you maybe in your own prayer life to take a moment and, and even pray these reminders that God, that you are, you are for me. God, you love me. God, you are with me. I think sometimes when we speak those words, when our heart and our soul, when they're echoing those words, that it does something to the fear. It makes it go away because, listen, what giant can stand before God? What wall can stand before God? What sickness can stand before God? What virus can stand before God? Listen, none of them can stand before God. He is with us. He's with us. He's behind us. He's next to us. He's in front of us. I find great hope. I find that's a grateful, hopeful prayer of faith that the all-powerful God is in all things. The third part, the third principle is this. It's a reminder for all of us that God, you created me. So not only are you with me, not only are you guiding me, not only do you love me, but God, you, you actually created me. In Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows that very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Again, this is another reminder that God knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows every one of our days, but, but he created you. And I guess I just want to remind you of this this morning, that you are not an accident, that you're not a mistake, that your life isn't worthless, that your life does not have any meaning. I want to remind you that you are none of those things. What you are is you are a beautiful creation from God, that God created you. When you read that prayer and you pray that to God and you believe that it does something inside of you, it all of a sudden makes you realize how special you really are. That not only did God create you, but he created only you, uniquely you. Like you're the only you that there is. 
There is not another you that there's been out of the billions of people on this planet and the ones that have gone before. You are special. At times we might not feel that way. We might be floating. We might be wondering what our purpose is in life. But, but let me just encourage you. You have a purpose for your life. God did not make a mistake when he created you. He made you the way you are in beauty. So this is why we here across this fellowship and, and most believers, I, I would hope, value life so much that the sanctity of life, that life starts in, a, in the womb. We will never tear away from that. We will always stand on that truth. We pray. We pray for, for life. We want life to happen. And we have to stand on that. Because right there in Scripture, it says that in the womb, God created us. God knew us. That is life. Life is there. Life is precious. It is beautiful. And so we have this sanctity of life that we, we value life so much. Why? Not just to get in arguments and fights, not just to make a statement, because it's true. Because God is the one who created us. God is the one who created you. And so we should praise God for that. I hope that in your life that you'll be able to thank him at some point, hopefully right now this morning, just to take a pause and just say, God, thank you. Thank you for creating me. Thank you for giving me purpose in life. One of the things that I think most people deal with, especially in students and going into college and even into adult life, is finding the purpose in life. What am I here for? Well, when you, when you start with the reality that God actually created you and that God formed you for a purpose and a reason, all of a sudden it kind of gives you that, that, maybe that drive, maybe that encouragement that, yes, God does have something for me. Because listen, there's great things for you to do. There's great ministry ahead. There's great works for you to do. You can make a difference. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. In other words, God just didn't create you just to take up space. He didn't create you just to be here, walk randomly on this planet for 70, 80, 90 years, and then, and then pass away. No, he created you to do something with your life, to find purpose with your life. And we could try to figure that out. And you could try to navigate it on your own, but why not go to the God who actually created you and go before him and say, God, you created me. You, you made me with a purpose and start to actually seek him for that purpose in life. The fourth point is this, number four, is a reminder that God is precious to us. That God is precious to us. In Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18, he says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. I love those two verses there. There's these two verses that are kind of just right there in the, in the midst of Psalm 139. It's a reminder that the psalmist is thinking about what God is thinking about him. So just, just think about that for a moment. Have you ever thought about what God thinks about you? Now, we know what we should think about God, and God should definitely be precious to us and, and holy to us and righteous to us. And, but but you ever take time just to think about what God thinks about you? Let me just encourage you. God thinks about you, and you're precious to him. God thinks about you, and you are the apple of his eye. God thinks about you, and he wants you in the, in the palm of his hand. God thinks about you. And God doesn't think about you in order to destroy you, in order to ruin your life. He doesn't think about you just to smite you, just to punish you. But God is thinking and believing the best of you. And how do I know that? Well, because he believed in you so much, believed in you so much that, that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. 
He believes in the, in the creation so much that he doesn't want any of them to perish and go into eternal hell. He, he wants them with him. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants them all with him. Why? Because we are so incredibly precious to him. And so not only did God create you for a purpose and a reason, but, but God thinks about you and he loves you and he's precious to you. He's not cheering for you to fail, but to live what he already sees in you. God sees his son in you. God sees his spirit in you. God sees you as a living being that is eternal. And I can tell you that he wants the best for you, that he is for you. And so is Jesus and the Holy Spirit that comes and guides us. All of that, this entire scripture, the 66 books, is God just trying to redeem you back to himself. The fifth point is this, number five, is a reminder that God is holy. And I think this is an important one because it's not just about God creating us and, and God being with us and God being around us and, and us calling God his friend and, and sacrificing his life, which is all true. But let us never forget that God is holy, that he is righteous. In Psalm 139, verse 19 to 22, the psalmist, what he is doing is, is he is basically standing up for the holiness of God. He's basically writing that, that he wants his enemies to be destroyed. He wants everything that's sinful to be out of the way because he knows that God is holy. And so he writes, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? Listen to verse 22, the strong wording here. I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Now, you may be like me when I read that. Immediately, I was like, hang on a second. I don't think we're supposed to hate people. In fact, Jesus says that we're supposed to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. And of course, Jesus comes and, and when Jesus has given us the greatest commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and mind, and love our neighbors, Jesus in his own words says, but I also tell you this, to love your enemies as yourself. See, what the psalmist is relaying here is that we're not called to hate people, but rather we're called to hate sin. Never, when Jesus comes and delivers us and redeems us, as Pastor Daniel so wonderfully talked about earlier with, with communion, it's a new covenant, that Jesus comes and he, and he does a new thing. Part of that newness that he brings is to love our enemies. Part of the newness he brings is to not just love God and love our neighbor, but to love our enemies. And we are not meant to hate people. But we are meant to hate sin. In fact, the very things that God hates, we should hate. The very thing that, that turns God's, God's heart and eyes should turn our heart and eyes. The very things that, that moves God should move us. The very things that God tells us to separate and should separate us. So the old statement is true. And I know it's used often and it's old, but it is true that we are to love the person and hate the sin. And I know that you probably heard that a ton of times, but it is true. Like, like we got to love one another. Doesn't mean we love the sin. That's why I love our church, by the way. That's why I love that, that at this church at Crossroads, wherever you are in life, whatever kind of life you're living, you are welcome here at this church. Doesn't mean we agree with your sin. Doesn't mean we won't call it sin. Doesn't mean we don't stand on the word of God. We're not changing our theology and our doctrine just because we want to be friends with you. But listen, we do love you. And I want to encourage you, if you are looking for a place that will absolutely love you, then this is the place that will do that. But it doesn't mean we agree. 
And it doesn't mean that we will tolerate sin, that we will promote sinful things. It doesn't mean that we won't speak out against sin because it is in Scripture. Because the very things that God speaks out against should be the very things that we speak against. So it is true. Romans 12, 9 says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Jude 123, or just Jude 23, uh, one of my favorite verses in Scripture. I, I love this one so much. It says to save others by snatching them out of the fire, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by flesh. And I love that picture. That picture is literally rescuing people before they just go off the deep end and snatching them. But at the same time that we're loving somebody, we're hating the sin. We're hating the sin. This weekend and tomorrow, we honor and celebrate Martin Luther King. And Martin Luther King Day is tomorrow, and, and there's a lot of wonderful prayers that Martin Luther King prays, and, and part of his platform and part of what he did was to try to bring unity together and to try to live out the unifying of all different races and all different ideologies and all different beliefs. And so our team came across this great honor of a prayer and a statement that as I watched it, I thought, wow, this, is, this is really lines up with this of, of we're not called to hate people. We're actually called to love people. We're called to follow a holy God. And that drives me to love you and not hate you, not hate you for your beliefs, not hate you for your political party, not hate you whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, uh, not to hate you whether you like this team or this team, uh, but to love you and to embrace you. And so at this time, as we get ready to close, I, I want you all to just watch and enjoy this brief honor and tribute, but also encouragement regarding Dr. Martin Luther King. Thank thee, O God, for the spiritual nature of man. We are in nature, but we live above nature. Help us to never let anybody or any condition to pull us so low as to cause us to hate. Give us strength to love our enemies and to do good to those who despitefully use us and persecute us. We thank thee for thy church founded upon thy word that challenges us to more than sing and pray. But go out and work as though the very answer to our prayers depended on us, and not upon thee. Then finally, help us to realize that man was created to shine like stars and live on through all eternity. Keep us, we pray, in perfect peace. Help us to walk together, pray together, sing together, and live together until that day when all God's children, black, white, red, and yellow would rejoice in our common band of humanity. In the kingdom of our Lord and of our God, we pray. Amen. Hey, what a, what a great prayer that is. And, and uh, as I was watching that yet again, I'm reminded of that beauty of the psalmist as he's writing those very words, those same words. Lord, let us love people. 
Let us not hate, but let us love. And, and the only way we can do that, God, is, is by having a relationship with you. Because in our human nature, you see the world around us. You see what happens when God isn't first. You see what happens when we don't live a life that is God-honoring and, and holy. The Bible says that God is holy, so we should be holy. It's not a suggestion. It's a directive that, God, you're holy, so my life needs to line up with you. And listen, if we don't know what we stand for, we absolutely fall for anything and everything. So we stand in God's truth so that we do not fall into sin. We stand in God's word so we do not trip, so we don't fall, so we don't go astray. Because if we're not standing for God, we're going to fall for the sins of the world. But instead, we stand on the biblical truths of who God is and his nature and his character. So we don't fall. The last part of the Psalm 139 that I want to address as we close is a prayer that I want us to close on. And it's simply a prayer for God to search us. In fact, right now, wherever you are, I would love for you just to maybe just close your eyes for a moment. Maybe you're sitting watching by yourself right here on Sunday morning. Maybe you're with your family, maybe with a loved one, some friends. Maybe you're watching this some other time after Sunday. Would you be bold enough and trusting enough just to ask God to search you, to know you? I love this final part of this prayer. I would love for you to pray this with me this morning. If you're there and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, it's a great opportunity to invite him into your life. It's a great opportunity to acknowledge that we need God, that he already knows us. Listen, he knows you. He loves you. He created you. He wants to save you. He wants to rescue you from sins. You are an eternal being that God wants for all eternity. And that comes as just accepting him and acknowledging his son Jesus in our life by being willing to believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that, that we confess our sins before him. And this prayer right here is such a wonderful, wonderful prayer. So whether you need to invite him into your life or this is just a good prayer for you just to close in on, I want to lead us in our prayer. And as soon as I say amen, the team's going to lead us in a final song and then Pastor Ryan's going to come out with some final thoughts. But Psalm 139, just close your eyes and and just pray this with me, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting.